Hi, this is Lou Greco of the Uncle Louie Variety Show. We love all of our Patreon supporters. Get exclusive content, behind-the-scenes tour footage, and an interactive monthly happy hour with Z, Carlo, and myself on Patreon.com slash the Uncle Louie Variety Show. We'll see you there. Support for this podcast is brought to you by BallWash.com. Stay protected from odors in itch, the essential must-have product to keep your crotch fresh. Feeling good and smelling great throughout the day and throughout your workouts. Remember, guys, the fun doesn't have to stop in the shower. Get the funk off your junk. Use the promo code MEMBERSONLY and get 15% off all your sales. Use promo code MEMBERSONLY for 15% off. Again, that's BallWash.com, MEMBERSONLY for promo code for 15% off. The following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. Welcome to Hold the Sarcasm, hosted by Carlo Russo. It's going to be fun for um, a lot of uh, people to see another side of the Uncle Louie Variety Show. Lou Greco. But if she's drinking two drinks, run. And Anthony Z. Donaldson. I love it, by the way. I Z do. I, it. I have it on right now. You are listening to Hold the Sarcasm. I'm assuming we started the podcast. <laughs> We've been rolling. We just you mean we're not on? Because <laughs> I, I walked in and I, I thought we were just setting up, but now we're just... Wait, yeah, this is better than the podcast, though. <laughs> That's right. This is the pre-podcast. Right. This is. You want to pull, pull an intro, Z? Yeah, we, <laughs> we should let the audience know. Welcome to Hold the Sarcasm, and we are <laughs> we are on with legendary radio dish jockey in New York City, and as well as an actor, Mr. Al Bandero. Al, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> After half hour, you want me to pay? Hey, you want me to pay what for that? Are you crazy? <laughs> Al, you Al, know you're. Thank you. You, you were talking about bringing your dad to Yankee Stadium. It's something that I'm very obsessed with is the culture in New York City in the late 70s and early 80s, especially with music and everything that was going on. And you were in the yeah. middle of it, like the epicenter. Give me a night out with Al Bandero in the late 70s, early 80s. I want a good night out, too. No. No, I claim I don't remember that. I'll claim that I don't think I was there that night. Uh, during during that time, you know, you're, you're actually still uh, going to school and then you, you this career kicks in uh, from Philadelphia, finally getting a chance as a Brooklyn boy to come home. Uh, and it was all about working, but about partying. Uh, and if you can do both and if you can last the night and go into work the next day and not skip a beat and you look back on that and say, not only did you do that, but how many times you did that and and nothing really happened where, God forbid, if that happened now, you'd, you'd probably die uh, somewhere you couldn't keep up with that. But that night was uh, those nights were about uh, there was a coolness. Uh, there was something that was very hip about that, if I may use that term. Um, and people were living a certain lifestyle. And I think the generation that came before us really didn't know as much as we did what that was about. They went out, they played a little bit. This thing became all night. This thing became from that you would go to an after hour place that when you think about that, you say, okay, well, you were just partying for four hours and it's not ended yet. So we're gonna to go to this private uh, after hour place 
that nobody knows about until you get in and 400 people knew about this place. Uh, and then that would last and you would walk out and the sun was coming up and it was okay. Uh, no problem. But I think that the, the level of playing was extremely high uh, in, in any facet that you were in, whether it was radio or you were doing a movie or whoever you were partying next to when you went into these places and the doors closed, it was like, Okay, everybody's here together. Everybody's cool. There's no snob. You were hanging out. It was, uh, I think it was an era that you'll probably never see again. Yeah. Yeah, the 70s were, un- it, they call it, in 1977, they call it the coolest year in hell. Have you ever seen that documentary? Yeah, uh, no. I haven't seen that one. I heard about that one. But, uh, you know, in New York at that time, in New York City, I believe wasn't uh, that's the son of Sam was that year correct? That, yep, that was that year. The Yankees okay. were in the World Series. So the Yankees know, were in the World Series. Yeah, uh, dance music is off the off the charts. Uh, although I I secretly it was and still am. Uh, I love my rock. Uh, that's what I grew oh, up yeah. on. Uh, I played it on some stations, and then all of a sudden the station offers you this thing that you're really not too sure about the music, but you have your favorite and that station explode would be an understatement. It was the most powerful station in the country out of nowhere. Uh, and it all came within a couple of years of that year. Uh, but you have son of Sam, you have the blackout, mm-hmm. uh, that was in New York that same. And I believe if, if, if from what, I was out of uh, town at that time, but the heat index was off the charts. You have no air conditioning, a blackout. This whack job, Son of Sam, is running around uh, killing people. And at the same time, the Yankees are in the World Series. So you have this negative and positive going on. It was it was just crazy. Uh, it's probably the best way to describe it. What a time, huh? Oh, my God, all that stuff. I mean, these are historical, historical stories and things in all in one city. It's like, what? Only in New York. <laughs> yes, and, and all at the same time where, you know, right. you come into your home and everything is safe and everything is good. But you know that when you venture out of your home, there's a whack job out there doing whatever he's doing. And at the same time, maybe you're getting on a train, you're driving up uh, to celebrate with your team. So it's sure. kind of it's a little weird that if you go a little bit to the right, you got to be careful. Go to the left, you can go here. Uh, but right. I also think that when you grow up and you go through that era, uh, even as a really young guy, uh, that trains you for your life of what you've already went through uh, and that maybe what you can put up with. Uh, or is that, yeah. yeah, that was nothing. I went through this. You know, we all heard it of our grandparents sitting at a table and our parents sitting at a table. And you're reading going, oh, my God, here's this story again. Uh, <laughs> but then when you look back, you realize that what they went through easily got them to today sure. because of they were able to survive it. And maybe that's the yeah. same thing back in the, uh, in the hangout days. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's like you're, you're putting layers, you're building layers on you when things are happening to make you stronger. Yeah. Like you said, I, yeah. can, I can deal with that. I can deal with this kind of thing. And that's how they, I yeah. think that's how our family grew up, especially um, immigrating. I mean, we, me, uh, I came over from Italy on a boat with my family, my mom and dad, my young, my older brother, and my father probably had, you know, the, the story, $100 in his pocket, if, if that, um, no job, couldn't speak English, obviously, 
two kids yeah. under the age of, you know, I think eight at the time. And uh, wow. watching them, even as a kid, watching what they had to go through and what they sacrificed makes me who I am today with my kids and what I like to do and the safety that I like to give my family. So, it, you know, I went through it. I, I actually, you know, I was the immigrant boy on the boat and saw the Statue of Liberty and all that. And it means something. So um, I yeah. just give them so much props to leave their country, you know, that they speak and they can work, they can make money uh, and go somewhere where they absolutely have no idea uh, what they're getting into, this this blind faith uh, of America. Well, you see, you, you experienced it firsthand and there's not a lot of a generation that that's usually a past generation. Like in, in my family, uh, my dad was born here. Uh, his parents mm -hmm. were not. So we're like already fifth generation in. Right. But you do grow up hearing the stories. You, uh, that story, people hear it all over again. I had $8 in my pocket. But the, the stories were really true. Mm -hmm. And even if Absolutely. you had that $8 in today's world, my question would be, if whatever $8 was at that year, in that year that they came here, uh, what is that money today? You would not be able to survive. There's just no way of uh, what, what did they get for that $100 that they had in their pocket? Well, let's say that $100, who knows, is 5000 today. What are you going to do with $5,000 until you get somewhere to live, you find a job? You could never survive that today without some kind of help somewhere. It's just impossible. So I look back at that time uh, to the people that did it. And, and that's huge kudos uh, to them yeah. to try and put yourself in those shoes. They not only survived, they flourished as a generation became another generation, which I think is astonishing. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, what they accomplished with what little they have and have, I mean, they still, I mean, America is the only country, I'm telling you, that you don't have to speak the language and you can succeed. Try to go to another country and do that. You're not going to get. You're not going to get it. It doesn't work that way. That's why when so I hear the best forever, I kind of go, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. We are still the best country that you'll yeah. ever be a part of because of that reason." So, my wife is Cuban, so she left mm -hmm. uh, Cuba at uh, two years old, went through the back door to go to uh, Spain, and then come into the country. Oh, really? But yeah, but she lived in uh, Italy learn how to speak the language because she had to speak the language as you're talking about. She lived in uh, France, learned, she, the, she went to school in both countries, but learned how to speak the language because it wasn't a, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll speak English to you. The rule was the rule. So I, I think that when you hear the stories of your grandparents or whoever came here, that they, they learned the language because they were embarrassed to not know how to speak the language for the people that would say, you don't want to speak English. I don't know what you're saying. Right. So I don't necessarily think that's bad in the sense of what other countries do. Other countries, they don't form to what you are. You're going into right. their country. You have to form to what this country is. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but you have to at some point learn not only the culture, but you have to learn to communicate with the country that let you in that that's my sure. personal opinion. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that that happens, uh, as fast as it once did. That's just my two cents on it. Right. 
Yeah. Well, think about how easy it is now for somebody to go to another country. They can Google it. They can Google the spot. Yeah. yeah. Google yeah. the airport they're getting off. Yeah. Take the cab. Yeah. Oh, oh right. look, I can. Hello, can I get a cab? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, over blinds. Yeah. Just coming over here with. Exactly. You know, it's so see. true. Yeah, you can speak into your phone and say, uh, uh, take me to where, and boom, and there it goes. And I'm wondering, yeah. what, you know, Spanish, French, what, what was that like? You know, my my wife said when she came here, that was really still happening, that she was the only Cuban in the area. So in, in talking with her, and I said, so she was a kid. I mean, like, I don't know, three, four years old. So well, how did you pick it up? She said, I watched Sesame Street every day. <laughs> and I learned, how to speak. I learned the vowels. I, I learned that way how to speak because her parents didn't speak it until they started to right. pick things up. So if she was going to go to school, they weren't like, okay, don't worry. We, we, we have the class. We're covered. We're going to speak. You had to learn. So uh, she said, if it wasn't for Sesame Street, they would take me forever to learn how to speak the language. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, that's how, we, that's how we did it. We put ourselves in front of the TV. Yeah. And uh, it's for me, it seemed like it would happen overnight. Obviously, it didn't. Uh, yeah. But that, nobody you know, nobody taught us English. We just watched TV and my next door neighbors would talk. And, you know, eventually we figured it out. And, but uh, yeah, yeah, Carlo used to watch a lot of soap operas. So I used to go over his house. It was, yeah, dun, dun, dun. My mother is missing. I'm in the bathroom. She's in the bathroom. Uh, a, very, a lot of drama. A lot of drama. I learned a lot of drama from the soap opera. No, yeah, but uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to talk about this, and that's that's why I think we all have the success that we do now because people want to remember uh, their past. They want to, and not only remember it, we want to thank them, and we want to be a part of that again. We miss it. So I can speak for us when we do our show. A lot of people say, "Oh my God, you bring me back to those better times when my Nona, my Nono, my Zias." aunts, uncles, whatever, were in the room and they were doing their crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and we were embarrassed, is, but now we miss them. All about that. Our comedy so, is all about that growing up Italian, all the little right. nuances, all those things, you know, eggs, pudals, yeah. eggs. eggs. Yeah. Egg, yeah. Pudals, right. Pudals. And you know, the, the comedy that you guys do with that relating, you know, anything that's true is funny. That That's because you, right. you laugh at that. When you watch... Uh, the better comedians do in their bits. The, the relating is, it's just a true story that they make funny. You know, the, the, the thing I was telling you about my dad yeah. at Yankee Stadium, which you're talking about the age. Oh, you got to take a step back and look at that and say, it was embarrassing when it happened or you went through it, but you look back and now, uh, and, and as far as anything with memories are concerned, I find it that if I talk to people, if they were listening to my show, or now this whole thing with Rocky Four is that it brings them back to a time that there were bad times from day one in the world. Indeed, but it, it elevate it elevates. I think that it gets to a point where wow, this is out of control. There's some of these things are, and plus, you know, you're looking at that phone, you're looking at the computer. If you don't regulate that. It comes at you 24 hours a day. So there, oh, yeah. it brings you it brings you what miserable uh, things that are out there rather than, you know what, we're really lucky for what we got. We're lucky for where we live. And we're lucky that maybe we got a little sprinkle of talent in us that our parents just did not have. So 
Why did we get it? I don't ask that question anymore. My question is, I got it. I'm happy about it. Uh, I can go and watch a comedy show and go watch a movie. I can become part of that. That's where we stay rather than, you know, this costs this much. I'm really pissed off. I got to pay this because you stay in the negative uh, that way. Right. Uh, and right. but when you're looking at people talking about memories, it's there. I'm sure you guys get it. They're precise as to where they saw you, what they were wearing. It's that theater of the mind that they just click back to that night uh, that you walked into a place. I remember we walked to the right and there was the bar there. They knew where the uh, where the ladies room was or the men's. So when you start to hear that and you hear their memory playing back, uh, I, I find it now much more special than when I was living it because it's you click that button um, you know, on November 11th, when I walk into this theater, the last time that I walked into the theater to see this movie was when it was out. And wow. you're, in, you're in that fishbowl, but now I'm outside looking in. So it's a whole different feel of, I knew what was happening. I knew where, same thing. I knew where I was. What was I feeling when he gave me this direction? You're looking up at him, meaning Sylvester Stallone at a, you know, in the ring and he's, he's your boss. He's directing you. Uh, he's your friend, but he's directing you and you're walking into this huge first time that I was ever on a set. My first movie, usually, as you guys know, your first movie is $5,000 down somebody's basement. Right. <laughs> right, right. That's true. That's what it is. And then you graduate. I walked into this thing where it's multi-million dollars, seven cameras, Trust me, man. I wanted to change my underwear two or three times. Like, <laughs> oh my God, man. You know that you think you're doing well in what you're doing. And then you, you jump into the deep end of the pool and it's either sink or swim. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to sink, man. So, you know, I got to do as, as well as I can, but that's the whole thing about people that memories is compared to what's happening in the world now uh, over and over again. Uh, and I do really blame it on social media as great yeah. as it is that we can do this, we can connect with each other. The negativity that comes at you 24 hours a day, if you don't police it, I've seen people sit down, you know what I just read? Ah, I was like, why did you read it? Right. So, and they can't answer you as to why did you read? You knew from the headline, I don't want to read that, you know, click, shut it off. I'm eating. I want to have fun with my friends at dinner. Uh, that's the way that we that we travel. So I think that bringing a movie like this back out with today's technology, which is what this really is. So the coloring, the sound from what they're telling me is going to feel like you're in the ring. Nice, it's amazing, wow. um, and the clarity on it, uh, everything about it is going to be great. the The thing that I think a lot of people don't know, if you've seen the trailer, is it's one night only all over the country. Mm -hmm. wow. So if you don't go to the theater, then it'll be on streaming. But unless you've got an incredible sound system, the whole thing about seeing this one night is it's a movie theater experience that that sound and, and hearing that vibration in the room and the giant screen and the coloring. I think it's going to be eight o'clock across the country uh, in their time zones. And I was told it's Phantom. November 11th, it's phantom.com. So when you go on phantom.com, you, from what they tell me, you click in your zip code and then how many miles of radius of theaters, and then gotcha. you can go to it and then go there 
and you pick the seats you want. And uh, there's a report that we got last week. <clears throat> Very happy for it. So the ticket sales, the pre-sales are 120% for the closest competitor. Oh, wow. So wow. It's, it's, yeah. So, and it's also American and versus the Russian. Mm -hmm. Also, right. Uh, yeah. But, I, I you swear know, why, why is that? That's every yeah, one of those you movies have not watched the whole thing. If you're, you must watch. You're, you're channel surfing, all of a sudden, Rocky. Yeah, you're, 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 done. you're done. You're you done. Yeah. yeah, I do the same thing with The Godfather. Uh, yeah, me yeah, too. I've seen, it, I've seen it literally a million times. Whatever it is, I'll sit and I'll, you know, I watch it now for different reasons. It's acting and you know, watching sure. the, the camera angles that I learned because now you're in something different than when you first saw it. But sure. I stop every single time. It's like people yeah. do with the Rocky. With me, I've seen Rocky for so many times. Usually when my wife stops it, I go get up and go into the kitchen, you know, to watch it because you critique <laughs> yourself to death. It's like, <laughs> why did I do that? And I wish I can, you know, get a chance to do that. And that's, that's like what's years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. That's like, oh, man, I should have done this. And you realize, hey, man, it was your first movie. You know, give <laughs> right. yourself a break. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't give myself a break. You know, yeah. Stallone uh, is always, he's a hero in uh, oh, the yeah. Italian world. He's a legend. Uh, just, I mean, even Rambo, it doesn't even matter if I'm watching whatever Rambo 2, 3, right. and right. you go, you try to change a channel. And it's that no. one part where you're like, oh, oh, oh wait. Or hey. you do change it and you go back. You go back. Yeah, yep. again. You I mean, I even did that to the movie Oscar that he was in. I thought he was so <laughs> underrated. So underrated. I, I thought anything he's on, I'm watching it. Oh, it sucks. It's such a Ram funny movie. The Ramble's on one station and Rocky's you on know, the other. Uh, and, and, uh, and you're talking about, uh, obviously, Sylvester Stone. And I can tell you right. from – uh, being friends with him, but then being, uh, he's my boss at, during this Rocky four. Sure. I got to honestly tell you that the guy was a nice guy. Uh, and I'm sure in, in what you guys do in your field, when you get up those ranks to the heavyweight sort of speak people, not all of them are very nice people. You're going to find no. those at every ranking. Yep. In any business you go to. Uh, and my mom used to have a saying of, you know, these are people, their attitude is I got mine. Screw you. You go get yours right. rather than can you can you throw this guy a bone and maybe can you help him out the way they did for you? Exactly. And that's what I take away that he never once um, when he came into New York, he would call me even before uh, Rocky and say, hey, we're going here. We're going there. He let me pick his brain. Uh, I would go out to LA. We would get together. He was never, I don't have time for you. Or you know what? And didn't return a phone call. This was really someone who truly remembered what they came from rather than, you know what? I'm big right now. I got everything I need. I don't want to think about those times. And yeah. maybe it was those times with Sylvester Stallone's attitude towards me. I can't speak for anybody else that uh, he never forgot those times and how it's time to pay it forward. Sure. So, now you'd say he's your he was your boss, but maybe I missed it in the beginning. How did you meet Sylvester Stallone? Did you grow up in the same area? How, did you guys go over no, to no, no. Uh, 
flies from New York, but he, as you well know, he moved to Philly. Uh, <clears throat> I was born and raised in New York. Uh, and the, the, the craziness about it was uh, I had a show in Philadelphia. Uh, we never met in Philly. And then I got my experience and I was able to come home to the biggest market, which is New York. So there was a, a movie called uh, Staying Alive, which was the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. So yeah. to connect the dots for you, Sly directed the sequel uh, with uh, John Travolta. And yeah. the title song was called Far From Over, which his brother Frank recorded. So yeah. it was back in those days where it wasn't a computer picking everything. The program director walked in one day on my show and said, mm -hmm. hey, we just got an advanced copy of the album that's going to be to the sequel. Play some stuff in queue and, you know, pick something you like. And it was that type of radio during that time. So I listened to the album, uh, both sides, and I liked this one track far from over. And I said, I think this is the one. So the program director said, go ahead, play it, man. It was like, it was that free, like, go ahead, play it. And especially you playing it with what the story is would be perfect. So gotcha. I played it. Uh, and then later on, Frank came around for a promotion and he knew that I broke it in New York. And we just hung out a little bit to talk and we would hang out more and more and we just hit it off. And in one of the visits in, he was up at my apartment when I lived in Manhattan and said, it was a beautiful brand new building. And he said, uh, Sly's in and he's looking for, at that time he was looking for a place in Manhattan. You have penthouses in your building. I said, yeah. Uh, he said, do you know if anything's available? He's looking. So I made a couple of calls to the doorman and there was something available. So we met uh, and I, we took Sly up to the penthouse. Uh, the, the story about it was the laugh part of it was it was the penthouse. That's all I need to say. And he said, no, because it was too small. And I went, it's the, it's the penthouse, man. Uh, and I remember saying to him, man, God bless you. Uh, if, if it's uh, so I took him down to this room that was made for people that lived in the building and it took up half of the building that you can uh, rent it out for parties. Uh, if there wasn't a party going on, you can just bring a book in there and read. It was plush, beautiful views. So there was no one in there. So I, I showed him this area where you can just go and be alone and hang out. And he just started giving me advice about career and what to do. Uh, and his his very first piece of advice to me was, see, what you do, you do very well. That's the tree. But there's a lot of branches. Explore the branches and see what else is a possibility. And from that moment, I started to say, well, I want to get into TV a little bit. And then the TV thing started happening. Uh, and then it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles uh, to pursue the acting thing. And then the television series came up. But everything that he taught me step by step by step about managing and how to do, I just kept it and remembered what he would say to me. So as far as I'm concerned, he was, uh, and still till today, he's just, it was just great with me that he didn't need, to, and I was very fortunate and I took advantage in the sense of never overstepped my bounds, but there were times that we went to his home in LA and I was in the middle of uh, acting courses at that time. So I would say to him, you know, we were taught this and this today. And he would just, you think he would be bored of talking about that. And he would say, okay, but when you do that, remember it's this and this and he would say you see these two people like my wife was talking to his wife in the kitchen he said you see they were talking to each other and I'd say yeah and he would give me a lesson about how they're bouncing off each other for free 
you know, the yeah. biggest movie star in the world. So you take a yeah. step back and you say, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn that How is standing that right, right now. I'm sorry. How old were you when you would, when this all happened? Were you in the early 20s, uh, mid 20s, 30s? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like, you know, it's like, wow, you're looking around going, this, what am this I doing? Is, yeah. This is, pretty, yeah, this is pretty damn cool. And then for him to come over and say, Kim, I'll show you, walk into a room. And he had this uh, uh, well-known uh, acting teacher, uh, uh, Stella Adler, uh, that was, you know, really well-known. And he put that in. He said, I, I want to show you what she teaches. And for a second, as you're going through that, you're saying to yourself that somebody like Sylvester Stallone is being kind enough to step away from everybody else that's in his house that day having a drink to show this kid, here's this, look, you see, this is why you do this. And you kind of beside yourself, but at the same time, you're saying, hold it together, be cool, don't make it a big deal. <laughs> but inside you're going, oh my God, this is, this is really great. And it was all from, yeah, it was all from him saying to me that he walked into a theater one day and the movie that was playing was Hercules. And he was watching Steve Reeves do do this, you know, of course, on Hercules. And that's what hooked him about you can do whatever you want to do. So he's just passing it along. And uh, to me, you know, uh, he's a five star guy. He was just great. He was really great. Nice. I, I want to know more about the, the director's cut of Rocky Four. It's coming out. You said November 11th. Are November, they add, November did they 11th. add extra scenes into the movie? I'm like, what's going on with, yeah. with this production? So there's there's 40 minutes, but I think what the confusion is, I don't necessarily think it's 40 minutes longer than hmm. what it was. I was on another pod podcast the other day, and it was almost an Abbott and Costello bit that we didn't know what the hell, why 40 minutes. So it's this and it's that. Yeah, it was an Abbott and Costello. Like, did you go to school stupid? Yeah. And I came out the same way, you know, all, all of those lines. Um, and it's, uh, it's 40 minutes mixed in that there are some scenes, but if you can remember, uh, there is a scene that when Apollo is talking to Rocky, uh, he tells him, look, this Russian is coming in. I want to fight him first in a charity before you get to him. I, I want to fight him first. And that scene was, okay, fine, done. And, and then when they went into the scene. Now, from uh, what I do see is that there's a deeper uh, conversation between Rocky and Apollo that don't do this to me. And that this guy is is a tough guy. And Apollo's like, what could happen? We'll go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Well, we all know from the original that Apollo dies. So that scene is deeper, like, don't do this to me that I, I've got to be in your corner. And we all know what happened. Then there's another scene. If you remember, uh, when he's about to leave to go to Russia, uh, he's talking to his son and he's, he, I got to go. And this is what I have to do. So they put the rest of that scene in that they originally just stopped where he goes deeper and explains to his son if you believe in something, you have to do it. And maybe no one else believes in that, but you have to do it. So there's a little bit of a, a deeper feel. I think there's also some scenes that Adrian, Talia Shire, it, it comes clean with him and tells him that I don't think you can beat this guy, but that it gets a little deeper. It gets a little stronger. So that's what I'm really looking forward to, uh, to see how deeper he made this. Uh, because in 85, he was explaining the other day that it was really an MTV generation. And there were movies that sort of fit that format. 
that you didn't include things to make it deeper. Now he took some of the footage and made it deeper. So I think the feel that when we all go to see it that night, uh, it's just, it's a, a little bit of a heavier movie that I think uh, is going to be maybe even better than the original. Wow. Can't wait, man. That's what happens on November 11th. Is it like a red carpet affair? Is this, are you guys uh, all I meeting at the same spot? Uh, I, I think he's doing it in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, I'm going to see where we are in the New York area uh, because it's only one night. Uh, so, um, it's going to be, I believe if you go into phantom.com, I believe it's eight o'clock everywhere in whatever time zone. I think that's what it is. Uh, I know on the East coast for sure. So there's not going to be any kind of matinee or earlier. Uh, and as I said, the I'm, we're blown, everybody's blown away by the, the amount of ticket sales for this movie to come back out again. So I guess the timing is perfect. In November 11th, we're going to be driving to Detroit. Detroit, yeah. And hopefully we'll get there before <laughs> trying to get into it. Yeah. No matter where you are, if you get there before, I guess, 8 o'clock uh, anywhere, get you get on your phone and just run into a theater. But if worse comes to worse, uh, I think the very next day it'll be on streaming platforms. Uh, so, you know, you can always uh, watch it then. But... I believe that uh, I believe it's going to be it's going to do really well. I think for the people like uh, the theaters that are in our area and even in a 10 mile radius, you know, there were two seats left here and we go into another theater to see and there were three seats left there, uh, which was absolutely amazing to see on the chart of all these seats that were bought with a movie that was out a long time ago. Uh, So I think that for me, the message is. He's a hero, this character. We love him. Uh, and I think the week after, it's here November 11th, but November 19th, the same thing happens in England. Ah. So I'm only guessing that they might roll it out like that into a, a, a different country uh, for okay. one day, and then they'll do a pay-per-view. You know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that. For me, I think it'll be, uh, like I said, remembering uh, – what was happening in my life, what was going through my mind uh, with the people that I was working with, getting on a plane, going there, looking up and seeing, you know, you want to say, hey, Sly, what's going on? But then there's like, uh, okay, uh, this is a big time production. Forget yeah. about that buddy thing right now. It's like, let's go to work. Uh, right, right, right. And I, uh, we were talking about it with my wife and she'll ask me, so my wife now was not with me at that time. And she'll ask me some questions. And I said, you know, when I got there, I already knew the lines uh, because I had never played a ring commentator and never acted before. So it's not like, well, you're comfortable behind a mic. No, you. I don't know how to call a fight. I, that's not what I do. So you have right. to know your lines. But to me, the biggest challenge was I know everybody does, and we've been in the in the industry. Everybody blows the line. Everybody trips. I was so friggin' nervous that day that I said, I don't care. I was talking to myself. I don't care what you do. You are not going to forget a line. You're not going to do, let everybody else do it. Uh, and I didn't. I never dropped the line. I, so I think wow. that came from pure fright of, not because I'm proud of that. It was like, don't screw this up, you know. Um, and and you're around and other people you're doing the scene with, they they drop the line and you're just kind of sitting there going, thank God it wasn't me, man. I know my line. We've all been there. You talk about walking down memory lane and, and watching the movie Rocky Four, but I want to know about future endeavors for you, Al. What do you got going on in the future? 
thanks for asking. We so my wife and I have a production company that is called Because I Can Productions, and we've asked been asked, well, wow, that's a why, and it's just positive. Uh, if you believe you can do something, regardless how long it is, you can do it. And with uh, what we do, she's the writer. Uh, we both produce, and there's always a role in everything that she writes for me. So we co-produce. Uh, so we raise the money through uh, an independent basis, through people that want to invest with us, uh, wealthier people, uh, because there's wonderful tax incentives uh, that that covers them. Uh, but it's about the stories that we want to tell. You know, we want to tell stories uh, sometimes of an underdog or things that people would find interesting that they don't know about. So we're running with this one right now that it's inspired by true events. We've got the rights to it. Uh, it's called Blue Betrayal. And it's just about a guy whose whole life is his wife and his kids. He just happens to have an extremely dangerous job. So uh, when something goes down on the job and puts his life in jeopardy, uh, he finds that the, the your most trusted friends are now the enemy. That's what that's about. And I can't divulge anything more. Uh, but it's right. you want to you want to root for this guy uh, because he wants to teach his kids to do well in life. Uh, and his wife is his backbone. Uh, however, he's up against some serious odds to try and battle the people that want to keep him down. Nice. Is that Excellent. some production? So if you, have a lot of money, if you have a lot of money, get a hold of me. Uh, and, uh, we'll, <laughs> Anybody we'll out there listening? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of wealthy. And we, we have, uh, you know, we're lined up. There. We have the cinematographer that already said yes that was the cinematographer to Margin Call. That was just a beautifully shot movie. Uh, he was the cinematographer for uh, All Is Lost with Robert Redford. Don't know if you guys saw that. That's when he falls asleep on his boat, goes out in the middle of the ocean and hits a barge. Uh, and he's in serious trouble as it's he's got to patch things up. Well, he was the cinematographer uh, in this film. And, you know, I called him and said, uh, we don't have the money right now, but would you read our script and the next morning at 7.30, the phone rang and he said, I'm in. Uh, nice. So we were, uh, yeah. So we were really happy about that. And we, and he said, when you guys get the money and you, you know, you raise all the money, uh, call me. I would love to do it. So to get the guy that's going to make your film look uh, beautiful was the biggest hurdle. Uh, sure. And um, we have uh, some, some people that are uh, involved behind the scenes. So that's what we're doing right now that, uh, you know, we, we put money together for different stages of development of our movies. Nice. Al, well, if you need, you need anybody to fill a role, the three of us are available. I make a big, great bad guy, by the way. I make a great okay. Evil, so. Okay. Well, I'll, be, you know, I'll, I'll make a bad cop. Yeah, I'll be a bad cop or whatever you want me to be. <laughs> I tell you, I got to tell you that, you know, it's it's people like this that, you know, that's how people fill positions. It's like, sure. hey, you know, yeah. I ran into this guy and I became – you know, I think he'd be perfect for this and bring him in. Sure. And the reason that sometimes producers do that, it's less, it's one less thing to worry about that. I know right. this guy is perfect for this. Are you available? Come on in right. and do it. Um, you know, obviously we pay you for the time and you become part of something uh, through a friendship that works, you know, and that's, sure. we, we, right. like, we like to keep our nucleus kind of tight with not only investors, but the people that uh, are helping us get this done. All about that's networking, really my friend. That's all smart, yeah. Smart networking. Absolutely. We've always we've always worked, and it's even in the entertainment field what we do. We always work close with few people that we know have good hearts. You know the wise guys, those boys. Um, yeah, great. Those guys are 
We saw you there last last night. They aired that with you on there. Yeah, I was. On yeah, that, and, uh, uh, that's, that's now obviously I hooked up with uh, with all of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was a connection of I, I want to put them on really cool shows and good shows, and you know, you pay that back somehow. Uh, you know, sure. any way you can. And uh, uh, you're, you're on the uh, some of the, the better ones, so to speak, uh, that really know what they do well. And you obviously you guys are kudos to you. You do what you do really well. Uh, and cool. it's great to be a part of that, uh, to get on a cast and just uh, just to get on a podcast and just chat about things life. That yeah. People, yeah, life, man, that people want to do. And, you know, um, I still view myself, honestly, with all the success that I've been fortunate, really fortunate to have that I said it before, I'm just some kid that grew up in Brooklyn that right. uh, really wanted to see things the way everybody else did. And there you go. T-shirt. I love you. T-shirt. Man. Uh, <laughs> that, that you just, um, you know, you're walking down and you have these memories down the street that we all have. Uh, and the people that have come before us also had those uh, dreams. So when you finally get into doing it, uh, Hey man, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You, there's nothing to complain about. I mean, right. what, what are you really complaining about? You know, like my mom used to say, did you wake up today? Yeah. Can you see? Yeah. Can you hear? Yeah. Can you walk? Yeah. You're good. There you yep. go. And- I'm giving him a bell for that one, Al. Yeah, that's our PSA for the day right there. Hey, I, I should have said this is my thing, but I had to give kudos to my mom. It's not right. Don't steal a line. You know, then I've seen that in the, the comedy world a lot. I've seen some uh, I've seen some documentaries where they <laughs> you guys go off on each other like that was my bit. And I know I did this. Here. It's like, wow. There's a lot of plagiarism around. And it's I'm just glad that uh, Carlo and I got in this 10 years ago with all the with all the new stuff that's coming out, our, our stuff, yeah. I'm like, hey, it's stamped. Yeah, we, we've been doing it for, we've been doing it for my, a decade. If I may, if I may, my question to you is that, ha- have you experienced that in uh, on the road and, and seeing the, the stealing or uh, a nice way to put it, they sort of borrowed things? Uh, yeah. I, I would story. think that would be, I, I think that some people would say, well, they're, they're copying, so that's a compliment. I don't necessarily look at it that way. It's like, yeah. if I had to do what I had to do to put the time in to hone my craft, you should right. be doing the same thing instead yeah. of stealing. That's, the, I mean, that's, the, that's the thing. It's very frustrating sometimes when you see it. But, I mean, we, we keep plugging along. We go straight. We're like, ah, eh, you know what? We've all grown up in the same culture. Um, but when you see that kind of stuff, it, it's just skeeve. You know, the Italian <laughs> word is skeeve to me. I'm disgusted with that kind of stuff. I've seen it happen to friends of ours, um, and it, it's not—it's not good. I mean, the the Who's easy friendships? part for us, the, the easy part for us is, you know, we started a long time ago. So, yeah. and, and I, we get there's a lot of times that we get a troll or two that say, "Oh, you know, you you stole Copying. this from somebody," and and I would stamp, I would send them the stamp. I go you really better look and do your research a little bit more before that because yeah. who's copying who? Right. You got to really be yeah. careful. So and we don't, so we how don't do you, claim how do you copy find yourself When that happens, how do you find yourself dealing with that? How do you, is it more there's of, nothing. do you walk away or there's, what do you really do in that case? You really can't, unless you're at a top pinnacle place, 
you know, and uh, you really can't do anything. You just got to do your own thing and who does it better um, and just stick to your guns and do your own thing. Yeah, sometimes just move forward. You know? Sometimes informing somebody, like he said, hey, I'm sorry you feel that way, but if you look at our YouTube, we have, we started this 10 years ago. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'm glad for yeah. your support. You kind of zap them, but you still want to be, yeah. thank you for, you know, thank you for watching. Uh, but let me tell you the, the history a little yeah, bit. Do a little research. Uh, yeah, you know, this is what we do. You know, we've been together writing, not Italian comedy, but writing, doing public access videos right. since we were 13, 14 years old. And um, so we've been doing this for a long time. And like Louis said, nowadays, the whole Italian comedy is out there. Yeah. And people experience the same thing. We grew up like you grew up and, and how Zeke grew up. Yeah. So when we're telling a story, they might be similar because we all grew up with the with the same basis, but it's how you tell that story. Now, some people would right. like, to, like to copy or whatever, and some people find other ways to do it. So that's why a lot of people get confused. Oh, I heard that joke before. Oh, I heard that premise before. Because it is the same premise. It's just how do you, you know, deliver it? And also, uh, when you're talking about background that you're you give license to laugh at because you're you're you know you're making fun of something, just because you are of a certain background, that does translate into other people's background. It might not be exactly the same, but right. if you're mom and dad and you're goofing on somebody and it's an Italian background with the grandmother doing something, Irish background it could be similar. A Jewish background could be similar, not exactly the same, but it's just about. Uh, the crazy things like we were saying about mm -hmm. my dad. I'm sure that my dad being Italian wasn't the only guy that went to Yankee Stadium that told the, the hot dog guy, you nuts. I'm right. sure there were many different backgrounds of whatever Absolutely. it was. It's just who you are relating to. I also Absolutely. think the other thing is that when somebody of a certain culture hits a, a, a level, a lot of people think that, well, he's he's known for that, like Sebastian Maliscalco. Okay, he talks about the way he grew up, which is identical to the way that we all grew up. Uh -huh. Okay, but but then you have someone maybe of an Indian background that gives you permission to laugh at really the same thing that we laughed at with our right. grandparents, our parents. It's just where excuse, I think, in the culture. But the thing is that it gives you permission like we'll see uh, uh, black uh, entertainers and black comedians and they'll, they'll go off. It's giving you the, the permission to laugh at that. Right. Because every culture, I believe every culture. It is funny. Every culture. And it's just yeah. expressed in a different way, but it's the right. same. You right. know, it's in that, it's in that heart. And uh, like Carlos says, we've been at it for years. I actually went to Florida to go to acting, broadcasting, and everything else. And I went, I'll tell you a funny story. It's like when you said you're on those sets and everything. Do you remember Sequest? Remember that that show Sequest? It was a TV show. It was like an underwater Star Trek type of thing. And, I, the uh, name is familiar, but I don't remember the show. It, it was the guy from Yeah, it was the guy from Jaws. I was a background. I was, my very, I was like 21 years old. I was like, let me get in the background, and they had all these. Uh, we're supposed to be starving, and and all this stuff. Here I am, two hundred and thirty pounds. I'm a bodybuilder. <laughs> like they put this sack, like this potato sack, on me, right? They're like, here, wear this. Well, I forgot the pants, right? I forgot the pants part of it. So it was just like this bloody sack 
I'm walking around. I got my legs showing my ass in the air. It's, it's the lady's like, where are your pants? I'm like, why are you naked? I didn't know I was supposed to have pants. I don't, the physical? I don't know what I'm doing here. So I'm already a starving. Just get on the side, you idiots. Yeah. You know, there's that, there's that fine line that you don't want to embarrass yourself. And, and there's, well, a, you know, you're keeping... But you, at the same time, you want, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I got this. And you're, yeah. you're conscious. You're not even close to getting this. But the <laughs> outside of your pants on. I was the most confident I ever was without pants. If your conscious could speak out loud, it would say, are you serious? You yeah, think you have this? But yeah. you're just yeah. trying to walk around going, I got it. Don't worry. I got this. I got it. Don't worry about it. But those are the times that you will never forget those are the yeah. times was your sink or swim time <laughs> and even if somebody said to you where, that where are your pants only one person that said that and, and maybe you weren't in a group of 500 people that right. somebody oh, called yeah, you there out was a whole group. Everybody, <laughs> in front of everybody. i think i was like what is this guy looking at what are you looking at they're everybody's skinny because they're supposed to be starving <laughs> i'm 230 pounds five seven a monster they're just like just covered him with something and just put him in a corner you know <laughs> You must have been. You must have been. You must have found a lot of bread somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this starving, all right. He must have ate two of the other wow. actors. He ate his pants. Oh. That's what he did. He ate his pants. So, oh, so did uh, did you shoot that in Florida? Yeah, they shot it in Florida, in Orlando actually. MG, I think Orlando. it was MGM. I used to get calls for MGM or the other studios that were down there. And we would go on different locations. And uh, the, the coolest thing I ever saw was the restaurant scenes where we're in the back and we're just like, you know, pretending to talk to each other, whisper quiet, room full of people. The first time I ever experienced that, I'm like, holy crap. So now you can't even watch anything normal anymore. Because you know, you know what they're doing. One, so, one thing somebody told me when you're doing a restaurant scene or an eating scene, to have gum in your mouth and it look, so it looks like you're true. eating. Yeah. Yeah, or if you ever really pay, uh, pay attention to um, TV shows more than than movies, but when you have like reruns of, uh, for some reason on certain shows, they had a lot of scenes at a table where they were eating. One of them that comes to mind, probably that I've seen more than any scene, any show that does what I'm speaking of, is a meal uh, while they're doing the scene was Two and a Half Men. Uh, with Charlie Sheen, because they changed yeah. it a little bit after he yeah. left. Well, if you watch that show on a regular basis, there are so many scenes in the kitchen, whether they're having breakfast or dinner yeah. or whatever they're eating. And if you really pay attention to to this, I guess we're, it's a spoiler thing that we're doing. They either cut such a small, tiny piece of whatever it is to to do the motion of eating and yet be able to say the same lines uh, and then you watch some of the scenes from The Sopranos, where a lot of that, they're in the restaurant. Of course, it's an Italian thing. So food is such a staple that you have to have in there. If you watch how some of them are eating, it's it's about timing it. So you would take a, a fork of something, say your line, and then eat something rather than eat something. And you'll see some uh, uh, artists make a mistake, some actors make a mistake mm -hmm. that they'll eat. 
and then they know their line is coming up. So there's a little bit like mumbled more like this rather than uh, with an empty mouth. So those are little things that you watch, especially from being in the business. That steak is this big and it was that big when it was over. Like they they never got to like halfway into the steak to eat. Those are like the the little things, especially if you're hungry on a set and they bring in your scene and you're looking at that knowing, I could wipe this out in two bites. Uh, yeah, and you're we weren't supposed out. to eat anything at ours. We were just sitting well, there, we just, just little pieces. No, there was in the background the restaurant. So I brought this buddy of mine. I said, "Hey, you know, he needed he needed a job that day." I'm like, "Well, they need an extra, so why don't you come on?" He started eating from other people's <laughs> tables. No, he man. would grab a shrimp, start eating it, throw it. Like, Did he like, kick him out? What's up? going on? How are you? And he grabbed the shrimp off my plate. I'm like, you idiot! They're gonna. You know that. That exact thing just threw me back when I did this TV series called uh, Desire. Um, that happened to new people that came on a set to be, and the prop person would come over uh, with the food. And it, it was real food. Uh, yeah. They were just, if they were at the table, but they didn't have any lines, they were just background or an extra at the table. And, and it was, the scene was between two, between two people. They would cut into it and eat it. Well, the, the thing was, if they had to get, 10 steaks that day, if it was whatever, that's all they had. They didn't have yeah. another one. So they, they had to match up the shots. So I would see the people come over like lippy look during a break and say, you can't eat that. And the people didn't understand this. Well, you put it in front of me. It's food. I'm eating yeah. at a table. Yeah. Yeah. How they were there like for six, seven hours with the same steak on the, on the, and the thing. You just got to do it. I the always thought if you're going for six, seven hours, uh, <laughs> thank God you got a steak because if it's six, seven hours and you got a piece of fish, yeah. and that oh. Is not, oh, that, <laughs> this is, that this can is a get, question that can get nasty. Yeah. Well, you know the shots in movies or shows back in the day was probably more when when the main character or somebody's smoking. What are they, are they smoking all day? Are they like I know there's not like full cuts, but what, how do they determine where the cigarette is and you know, I don't know if that. Well, I always thought. You know, when you're doing, when you're doing many, it's a good question too because when you're doing many takes on a scene, sometimes to do one scene it, it takes a long time. You know, to get right. that scene, and then, and then what they do if if a, one actor has some lines, they'll cover that actor, and then mm-hmm. you have to turn it around and cover the other actor, and then right. sometimes just a two shot where they have both, but then they'll they'll edit back and forth. So if you really pay attention, sometimes to uh, to certain scenes, that's a great point that an actor will be smoking or just has a cigarette and the cigarette is, you know, this long. Right. Then they come back to one line later and the cigarette is this is this short. Right. Right. When they were cutting it, they really didn't match it up. Or right. a lot of times it's great. It happens all the time, not on purpose, but by accident. There's uh, a water bottle here. They go back and forth. And within the second line, the water bottle's not in the scene. Yes, it's not. Yeah, or, the, yeah. or the water bottle is here. Uh, right. So when you see that a lot, that's just continuity. Uh, right. And usually, and those people have a very difficult job because they've got to write down everything. Oh, he looked to the right. And when he got back, now his collar is out of the shirt. It was exactly. in the shirt. That's a, tough, that's a tough job to do. And most people that uh, that watch films or TV, they don't really pick that up. But that's a very difficult job to make sure in post when they're editing. 
that everything matches. Uh, and even right. in the biggest movies, uh, sometimes it just doesn't match. You know? Yeah, because sometimes the better scene is that one that did, didn't have that Coke bottle and they have to use the best scene. You know, so it's like yeah. that's where you get that kind of conflict. Oh, man. The actor just decided to do something different than he did maybe in the exactly. other takes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. which comes out better. However, if the rest of the scene doesn't match up to that, uh, then that's right. a little difficult where he's coming right. at you in your face or whatever. It's like I told you then maybe the rest of the dialogue, he's kind of laid back. Uh, right. It doesn't it's match. Difficult. Doesn't yeah, match. Yeah. I, feel like, do. I feel like I'm getting emphysema just watching Mad Men. It's just <laughs> oh. every oh. single Drinks shot. Of- they're smoking, drinking, smoking. The women are smoking. Everybody's she's smoking, smoking when she's pregnant. pregnant. She's smoking she's smoking. The baby. I'm like, I can't watch. You know, I don't know I, I I was a big fan of that show, uh, and I don't know if they were props uh, or they were the real thing. The the thing yeah. that I've always imagined for myself, I have a problem with any kind of smoke cigarette, anything. Uh, and a lot of people have it. If I smell it, it sort of closes up my throat. That oh, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's an, an allergic reaction. So sure. I often wonder that if you are in a scene that there's cigar or, and you're right around it and you're breathing it in and you can feel your throat closing, how in the world do you get through that scene? If it indeed it is, you know, a real cigar. Like when a lot of people do drugs, of course, it's not the drug on there, but people sure. say all the time, okay, what are you snorting? You know, what, what is it that, you know, is it powder? I never had to do a scene like that. I, I don't know what that is, but I've often thought, how many times did you have to do that line? How many times did you have to smoke that cigarette? Yeah. It can't be like you said, for me, I would have been dead an hour later <laughs> that I keep having on this thing. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they use if it is a prop. Or if the actor is an actual smoker, that he can handle it. But I always think, right. what about the other people that are in that scene right. that can't handle it? Yeah, I, I hear a lot of times it's like that. Uh, that's, it's like an herbal. It's not really like tobacco. It's not. It, yeah. it burns yeah. the same way. It does that. This and that. But still, I think you still yeah. have to smoke it. You still have to go through the process. Uh, and, and I'm a non-smoker for years. Yeah, it's a chemical that goes into your body. Yeah. Right, right. It's still something. That but, mental um, thing, though, of thinking back, because that's the way it was back in the day. Everybody had an ashtray at the table. Oh, yeah. There was smoke all over the place when we grew up. I, I, I had a coffee well, shop. Okay. That's, shop that's true. You know? Well, I don't know how much you guys watch, uh, uh, is it uh, TCM or TMC? TCM, the Turner the Classics Channel? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. We watch it all the time. Because now what they do is, as you well know, they put it through these filters and these black and white classics from the 30s and 40s, they're beautiful looking. If you watch, there is not one scene at that period of time that at least a minimum of two or three people in that scene are smoking. They're all smoking every single time. Uh, there's not an actor that I can remember seeing unless the actor was in and then left. Whether it's women or men, they're lighting up one after another and thinking, wow. How did you do that all day long? You know they didn't have filters during that day the way oh, we have no. now. Yeah. So, wow, a secondhand smoke would absolutely have killed you uh, in those days if you were on the set and you did not smoke. But it was also, if you look at, there was a coolness to the 30s and 40s that they thought, I got my fedora on, I got my hat, uh, the, the women's outfits are beautiful. Yeah, so I'm going to just take it out of my pocket. I'm going to light up because I'm Johnny Cool. 
and they just smoked forever. You know, however that movie, but it's one after another. So next time you watch uh, Turn a Classic Movie Channel, watch right. how often it's every two seconds they're li they're lighting up. Like you said, Mad Mad Men. It's like, oh my God, give your lungs a break. It's one after the other. It's like men mentally, wow. my my chest is mentally, my lungs right. turning to red. You know, <laughs> I remember the we. Uh, I remember even in the eighties and early the eighties. It was the late eighties. I got a job at an insurance company, and every table, every every everywhere you went had a big glass ashtray. They were all full. I, nobody ever dumped them. I don't know why. Um, and everybody just smoked in the meetings. And, and uh, I think I I think I literally had a, a cigarette in my interview when I got. They're like, "You want a cigarette? Sure." You know, and it was it's just how things have changed. Now it's like. You well, wouldn't you, even exactly. You mentioned before you meant, which is absolutely true. As a kid growing up in the house, they had the uh, uh, the ashtrays on the stands. Yeah. So yes. no one, you remember if you remember them, uh, and they, they would have them positioned next to the chair or the couch. Yep. So if they absolutely. have TV, they they flick it right. And you're yep. right. You'd walk in and there were three hundred butts in there. Like, don't you yeah. people clean this out? <laughs> then all of a sudden, that stopped. But you're right. Yeah. When you think about back to that, you walked in breathing that in every day oh. until it was oh. like my dad. My dad went cold turkey after his whole life of smoking. My mom never smoked, uh, right. but my dad went cold turkey, never picked it up again. And within no time, I could just see it in his face, how different his color was, how the energy that he had. We threw out That's all of those ashtrays and every once in a blue moon, I think, what could I have gotten? Uh, in in an auction for those that were oh, probably yeah. made. Oh my God, you you would yeah. have been those would have been a fortune or movie That's companies crazy. that would yeah. buy that for you. But you know they threw them out. They didn't think it was going to be worth anything. It was like nowadays you don't even they don't kids don't even know about. You remember the lighters in the car, the push in lighters. Obviously, now they don't even have lighters. The ashtray used to be filled. The car smelled like cigarettes all the time. And all of us, all of us burned our thumb on that. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. I'm glad that has changed. If anything, I'm glad that has changed because that was For disgusting. Sure. And you used to come home yeah. and you smell like an ashtray when you went to a club or a bar or work. For sure. It was it's, it's yeah. brutal. Brutal your hair. And, so yeah, I'm especially if you were going, if you're going out to meet a woman. And you just got yeah. out of the shower, you know, and, and somebody just finished lighting up two in a row and you walk through that room. So your, your aftershave motion becomes this stench, uh, which I'm just, uh, and what blows my mind is, hey, to each his own, you know, I'm very much into health, but uh, yeah. people I see today and it's like, wow, really? Ooh. That, you yeah, know, with all this, no treatment, again, it's to it's each his own. You, you do yeah, it's tough. People, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's things that we do that some people might go, man, you, you do that? Why, you know, you eat that or whatever. So whatever. It, it's tough, but yeah. I'm glad yeah. it's not around us as it was before. You know, but, yeah, you know, I it's agree. Like, it's too, uh, my kids, are, you know, we have young kids, and I'm glad it's not one of those social things anymore, like lighting up a cigarette used yeah. to be our day. Uh, I'm glad they even looked down and go, what the hell is that? You're smoking a cigarette? Yeah, and, and you know, back, back to the beginning of the conversation, you know, one <laughs> thing that was – popular so all these clubs you walked into everybody smoked everybody. i never oh, yeah. did but you would yeah. you would walk in and see if you remember this haze of oh, yeah. where the smoke just sitting below a ceiling and at that time you're so used to it 
But now if you remember uh, in your mind, it's, oh my God, I walked into this thing, no windows, you know, the doors are closed and you're walking through and, you know, you're talking to someone and they're blowing smoke in your face. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. The best I like was they're talking to you. You smell that. Remember the clothes after the club you walked on? Oh, yeah. You put in your hand because- What I remember most, if, if you guys remember this, so you would be talking to a smoker and they thought it was polite. They would take a drag and go, so they right, would right, blow right. it that way. That wasn't going to affect you. It's like, come on, you know, or they would still put it, it in, up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so yeah, unfortunately, the person standing next to you is blowing in your face because he's trying to be he's trying to be nice to the guy he's talking to. So eventually, you're getting right. something in your face. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. I agree oh, with you. Thank God that we're not around that anymore, and that we survived yeah. that, uh, which was which was yes, great. yes. This is awesome. I am so excited. We had such a good, this is a great podcast. Where great we can time, kind of yeah. just sit back and Thank talk you. and have all the stories. I mean, and what you've been through is is like, I'm going to tell you, man, and this is how I feel. Growing up, and we got we got into this business, what we're doing now, you know, you know, 10 years ago. But we've really been like four or five years touring, and, and we've had some good success. Yeah through the internet and all that. But we were, you know, we're, we're of age. It's not like we did this when we were 20 years old and, and toured the world. Right. So the idea of, for me, and I don't, I don't know if I can speak to you, but I think I will. When I was young watching Sylvester Stallone or watching these people that I now, not that I talk to Sylvester Stallone, but have a chance to talk to you that has been in movies and, and been in projects right. and movies that I grew up with. Right now, I feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of what we have done to be in the same room, someone like you that has been through these, these iconic movies that I was a young kid watching and saying, Oh my God, I would love. And now we're actually talking and we're friends. I can hopefully call you a friend. We're friends with what I used to watch on TV. And I just, I just think this is the best, best living to meet good people to live Thank out you. our dream, to meet all these wonderful people that we've met, uh, you, you included, and, and the wise guys, and everybody that we walk with. Yeah, and it's people, people with good hearts, yeah, you know, because just, like you said, there's a lot you. of, yeah. The, this industry is full of, you know, let's put it down, they're full, it's full of scumbags. And when we were starting, you know, we were, hey, Everybody, you know, we come play. Want to yeah. Everybody, come on, let's go, let's go. Yeah. And then you find out, like, people are just in it. They they For want themselves. to use you to, to step higher, and it, you know, and we are the kind of people that like here. We'll we'll push you, you know, if we can, right. you know. And we don't care. We're we're in the same business or right. whatever. But when people, when you know, they just use others just to get to where they want, and they forget about. How they got there, right? And, and never you know, on the, be on, to be on the receiving, to be on the receiving you know, end of what you, what you, what you guys are saying, and it, um, I can't tell you how much that means to me because, if anything, it means that the work that you provided, uh, that you put in, not only for your career, was not only accepted by people, but it was liked by people. And when you hit the fast forward button to where we are today, and people still have. Uh, a liking towards you uh, and and everybody that came before you experienced the same thing 
they did. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why for me to sit uh, next to and have dinner with uh, Sly or be on a set with him. So knowing him uh, personally and then knowing him professionally and seeing how things were done and how you learned for free. That's the most important thing. They didn't have to teach you. They did not have to take you under their wing. And I think that to appreciate that they gave you the time that you have to now pass this on while you're still doing it to someone else. And I get that now more than I ever did before. I remember when the movie came out, you know, I'm, I'm just in this one scene playing the ring commentator, but it's the most important scene of the movie that it's Rocky and the Russian. Right. It wasn't right. It wasn't one of the other scenes that, okay, it's kind of, I forget, but the amount of emails that I would get, the amount of, well, in those days we didn't have it, but I'd pass people on the street or I would go into a, um, uh, you remember when they had the laser discs uh, oh, that, yeah. that were out? In the yes, we remember we sold them. Flip over. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so when when that came out and you bought that uh, and it had all these gadgets that you can go in here and see a scene mm-hmm. and you didn't have right. to watch the same thing. I would go into these stores on a weekly basis and see what movies were out and what films were out. And I remember going into this one place that the guy behind the counter, I bought like six or seven of them, put them on the counter. And as he was, you can see that he noticed something, but he didn't want to acknowledge it for whatever sure. the reason was he's going through it. And you know, uh, this one is uh, $10, 12 or whatever. And then he stopped in the middle of it, looked up at me, calm as can be. went, you were the ring commentator in Rocky four, weren't you? Uh, yeah. So, okay. He worked in a, he worked in a store that had sold movies, but the fact sure. is that a guy like that probably have seen a thousand movies in a week, but it was something that triggered him. The adulation that you get, is actually and does more for you, as you well know this, when you get off the stage or whatever it is yeah. that you guys are doing. That high of, I listened to you, I watched you, I saw you, people writing uh, podcasts. We did one um, last night with the wise guys that you mentioned. And this guy took the time that, it's amazing the story that they tell you. So. It was during one of my shows, I think it was on here in the New York area station that was on that time called PLJ. So I got back to my roots of playing a lot of rock and pop. And he wrote last night as we were on that uh, I remember, Al, I was in the back seat of uh, my car with my girlfriend at that time, making out with her. This He's telling <laughs> the story. He's writing that. And Al came on, he played a record and he came on. And the girl actually pushed me away and said, wait a minute, hold on. I want to hear what he says. <laughs> and I, I thought, I was reading that and I went, you know, you're trying to see this in your mind. Oh. Yeah. So I, this guy came, came out of the radio to play a song. And she pushed this guy away. And then after he said to me, when you finished and the record was playing, then she brought me to her again and, and we continued kissing. And I went, right. wow. So those are the things that you, you think are odd, but those are the things of, that you remember, or he remembered so many years ago, same station. I, I got a, a call one night from a guy who said to me, uh, you're the reason that I married this girl. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, maybe I introduced these people and I don't really know who they are. Well, well, it wasn't that. He broke up with this girl and I was on, he was going home. He was dejected driving. And 
he got home and he called me and he, he got through, uh, the operator put, put her through, put him through and he said, look, I don't know if you can, I just broke up with this girl. This was 25 years ago. He said it to me and uh, he said, um, I'm really crazy about her. I did something stupid, whatever, but maybe she can give me a second chance. Could you pick something to play and maybe say it? So apparently I did. I don't remember uh, that time at all. Uh, and I did. Well, make a long story short. He celebrated his 25th anniversary with her. And he sent me a note and called me to tell me that if you didn't go on and do that, you she wouldn't have changed her mind that night because it had just happened. So that's those awesome. are the things that that's awesome, man. And those are the things that for me, I went up this line. I said, you know, when I saw you uh, for the first time, just the way that he walked into a theater and saw Steve Reeves playing Hercules, sure. everybody has that. Our thing is that's what propelled you to do what you do. And I, I think it's great. You know, it's, it's yeah. you saying yeah. something about me that I appreciate. It's me saying something about him yeah. and it's, so I saying something about Steve Reeves, it, it's great the way that it unfolds and the, and the way that life uh, rolls on. It's great. Well, the one thing so, I appreciate, Al, is you taking the time to talk to us today, man. This has been probably the most epic you. podcast we've ever had. Right. But before we do cut it, uh, give us some uh, social media tags, how people can find you online and, and so uh, they can so check on, in with your future uh, endeavors. Okay, so uh, Facebook, it's uh, Al Bandiro. Uh, on uh, Instagram, it's uh, uh, the real Al Bandiro because somebody took the name. <laughs> that I don't get. Maybe you guys can explain that to me. It's like, why would you take my name? To, to, to do what? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. So it's real, it's real Al Bandiro. Uh, and then we have for our movie on Facebook, it's uh, the Blue Betrayal page. So they, that's the three places that uh, they can get. I'd love to uh, get some email uh, and some uh, actually some posts from guys that were and women that were listening today uh, to say, hey, thanks for listening. And I hope some of your viewers can uh, shoot a, a quick note. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, please awesome. do that, guys. Anybody that's listening, comment, uh, reach out to Al. Tell him, uh, you know, how you felt about the podcast and all his endeavors. Yes, please do that. Uh, that'd be awesome if you could do that. I always realize how white I am on these podcasts. And I'm like, I just got to get a 10. It's ridiculous. I'm well, like a, a I'll, I'll stick up for you. We've been in Florida. So we, we were in Florida for a little bit, and then we came back. Uh, but uh, but uh, it's you're not that white. It's just that I came back from Florida. <laughs> or maybe you are that white. I don't know. He's white. <laughs> I'm like paper right now. No, it's but, all good. Awesome. Well, Al, thanks again for taking the time with us. This has been great. Thank you. And, and best Thank of luck. November, everything 11th, you got going November 11th. On. November 11th. Check out November the November 11th. Uh, one day only. Uh, go to the theater to see this. It won't be the same at home, but that doesn't mean you can't watch it at home. But go no, to no, the no. theater. Even if you even if you go yourself that night, go hang out. Go grab some popcorn and remember a part of your life that was just great. I love it. I love it. Awesome. All right, Al. Thank you thank so you much. Guys. This is thank awesome. You. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Let's give a big shout out to our executive producers, Teresa Barone, Cara Volpe, Helen Tenuta, Celestina Valenti, Leonardo Fiorica, Pat Jalonzo, Patty Warner, Robert Volpe, Andrea Stallone, Zia Pelic, Ann Warner, 
Diana Incandela, uh, Craig Sesti, Allison Cooper, Tina Mazzone, Joe Darling, and Mary Kay Noto. And Gina Arguez. So I want to say thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We love you guys. You are listening to Hold the Sarcasm. Support for this podcast is brought to you by BallWash.com. Stay protected from odors and itch, the essential must-have product to keep your crotch fresh. Feeling good and smelling great throughout the day and throughout your workouts. Remember, guys, the fun doesn't have to stop in the shower. Get the funk off your junk. Use the promo code MEMBERSONLY and get 15% off all your sales. Use promo code MEMBERSONLY for 15% off. Again, that's BallWash.com. MEMBERSONLY for promo code for 15% off. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe and drop a review on all our podcast platforms. You can also follow along at the Uncle Louie Variety Show.com and DisruptionNetwork.net. This has been a Disruption Network production.